Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. The Tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz. Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! Hello, and welcome to the Talk House Podcast. I'm executive editor Josh Modell, and we've got a great episode for you this week. A veteran singer-songwriter in conversation with a guy who's just starting out on what promises to be an incredible career. Robin Pecknold of Fleet Foxes and his friend Elijah Wolf. Robin and Elijah have kind of a meet-cute story. Elijah was working at the legendary Crandall Guitar Shop in New York when Pecknold came in, and Elijah happened to be listening to a band called Holy Hive, which features mutual friends of theirs. The two struck up a friendship of their own and shared music with each other over the course of the pandemic. Pecknold was secretly working on the first Fleet Foxes album in three years, and Wolf had been writing and recording his upcoming debut album. The Fleet Foxes record, The Excellent Shore, was surprise released in September of 2020, and Elijah's record, Better Lighting, will be out February 26th of 2021. Take a listen to a little bit of Like This Anymore from Elijah's debut. You can see why these two might get along, given their propensity for intimate, well-crafted songs. Their albums even have at least one session player in common. And as you'll hear in the chat, Elijah was almost a fly on the wall at an early Fleet Foxes recording session in upstate New York, where he's from. It's a great chat between a guy who's got some records under his belt and a fan-slash-friend who's got infinite promise. Shore was one of 2020's best albums, and I think Elijah's better lighting will be making plenty of year-end lists in 2021. If you enjoy the chat, be sure to subscribe to TalkHouse wherever fine podcasts are sold, and find us on all your social channels at TalkHouse. Thanks for listening. So what's up, man? Not much. <laughs> I put out the album in September and did a ton of interviews for about a month after that. And I've been kind of crashing since then, just looking forward to some downtime now, December, trying to figure out if I'm going to try and be closer to family or if I'm going to stay put in the city. The logistics remain debilitating. And yeah, I'm just in a processing mode, having finished something and put it out and now trying to figure out what's next and, you know, yeah, see what happens. How are you doing? Totally. I'm good, man. I mean, you know, it's interesting because my record's not out yet. So it's I'm kind of in that like wave of doing stuff like this. It's starting. It's starting. It's not going to be out for, you know, a few more months. So it's kind yeah. of like the beginning process of, of all of this. And obviously, as you know, it's kind of weird doing from home, like this, doing Zoom interviews and stuff is kind of a strange experience. For sure. But yeah, I'm good. I'm fortunate because, you know, I'm from New York. I've never lived in a different state. So I I, I feel very comfortable here. I, I was going to ask you, your family, are they all in Washington? They're all in LA now, but we're from Seattle. So I'm kind of a lone wolf out here right now. Yeah. Yeah. How does that feel? I'm a little sick of it. <laughs> yeah, is it weird? Yeah, I'm ready to, to be in the world a little more. Mm-hmm. Does that mean going back to LA or going out west? Maybe. I mean, I thought about going back to Seattle, but it's hard to think about moving right now without being able to go to a place and get the feel for it. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, totally. It's it's weird. So you so when did you finish your album? I finished it. I started recording last fall, and then I went out on tour for a month with my buddy Fote to kind of help him out and just kind of get my my mind off of the recording process. And then I flew back at the end of that and finished it sort of at the end of last year into this year. Yeah. Yeah. You just finished yours, huh? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I know the one time that that was possible to just finish something and put it out. I've always wanted to do that. I never liked that liminal phase between an album's completion and its release that four month or six month or whatever it is that holding pattern. I know that feeling. And so I'm who knows if it was a good decision ultimately, but like just to be able to do that one time has been, has been killer. Man, I think it was, I, I spoke to a lot of people who just brought it up to me, not even knowing that, you know, we have a, a friendship of any sort of just people cool. saying like, have you heard the new Fleet Foxes record? It's kind of saving me right now. Amazing. So I, I really think it was a good move and it is one of the best records I've heard in a long time. So nice, man. Thanks, dude. That means a lot. Yeah, of course. You started it last fall, is that it? Yeah, I guess like you, yeah, last fall, last fall upstate. And I'd been writing for about a year before that. And it was pretty baked by February and then there was a big delay because of COVID and then I got a bunch more work done and finished it about a year after I started it. That's wild. I, I actually I read your artist's statement, which I thought was very cool and made me even understand the record even more. I was wondering, in April, you said the record was pretty much almost thrown out. Why, why is that after putting in all those months of work? It wasn't clear to me what the the phase I was in in April was that I had no lyrics done and I wasn't feeling in control of when and how they were happening. Mm. So that combined with the logistics of releasing an album without being attached to a tour, you know, I was just imagining this experience of slaving over an album for another year and then holding it for another six months from there or something to wait for a tour. And that just seemed like such a quagmire that maybe I, it would be better. My psychology would be better served just by abandoning it. But ultimately I was able to finish everything I needed to finish and then just put it out. It was just that what's next phase in March, April, May, you know, that everyone was in. I had that same exact feeling in, in March and April of like, yeah, did, what, is this it? Is this just it? I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do with this record. I need to yeah. think about some, something else. I totally understand that. For sure. I'm a little bit back there now too. <laughs> I'm thinking about writing songs, but I'm also, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I had a whole album that was able to be, that was, you know, far enough along that it was able to just be finished and, and released. Cause now I, I'm back to feeling confused and, and what's the point of it? Totally. I, <laughs> I feel you on that, man. Have you been able to, and I ask this for myself mostly because I have thoughts about it, but have you been able to write much music during the pandemic? Everything onshore at least kind of existed back in February. 
uh-huh. at least the melody was there. If it wasn't fully recorded, there were bits and pieces of it that were lying around. Right. So I, I, my work during the pandemic was really just doing lyrics, recording vocals, and putting putting things together in a way that felt right. But I ha- I don't think I've written a single new thing, wholly new, musically since March. Right, right. That's interesting to hear. For myself, it was very similar. I'm being tasked with like finishing the record on my end, just in the sense of like orchestrating stuff with with everyone. It was really hard for me to write music and I felt like I had wasted time, especially during quarantine when we were in full lockdown of like, should I be writing up a storm? And I just wasn't able to. What I What really got me, especially recently, is exploring some of the Brazilian music that we talked about, especially Louis Bonfa. I've been listening to his playing like crazy and just at home practicing guitar and trying my best to understand his playing and the technical ability. That's really what I think I've spent most of my time doing during all this. I feel like I've been playing piano and a lot more and trying to get my sight reading back up to speed. Nice. And playing a little more classical guitar. You know, with the Shore record, it was kind of one of the reasons I wanted to get it done and get it out was that it had been, it was kind of a product of the tour for the last Fleet Foxes record where those were really long songs and they weren't really coming across live in the way that I, you know, they weren't really made to be played live. So then it, the the fun challenge became making songs that would be fun to play live and making an album that made sense for that kind of thing. Uh-huh, right. And so the whole idea of the record had to kind of shift. Circumstances shifted under the feet of it so much that I was like, I just need to finish this how I can and, and then get centered in the present tense a little more somehow. Yeah. And I think I'm in that phase now of trying to just get centered as in 2020, 2021 and not be carrying a bunch of stuff from from before. So yeah, I think that's part of why I haven't been able to write a song whole cloth from, I'm still just getting centered in this new world a little bit. Totally, yeah. I mean, that's, that's good to hear, honestly, as I have similar thoughts in you know different ways, but it's, it's good to hear that, I guess. <laughs> but we can start a, you know, encouragement group, group text or something, yeah. When I was reading your artist statement, I was, I thought it was so cool to read all of the different people who played on it and also how you traveled all over to different studios. It's, it's really what I was thinking from my record, because the last record I made was the first record I had ever made, which was like the most intensely solo experience of my life. Painfully so, you know, it was just like me in a room with my laptop and my guitar and just every instrument I could overdub on there. And the subject matter was intensely personal. It was just kind of an intense experience. So for this record, I wanted to travel, hence the the tour I went on between sessions. I wanted to work with as many contributors and collaborators as possible. Work with a producer for the first time, which I had never done, Sam Cohen. So reading, reading about your record and just learning about how you recorded it through that artist statement was super cool for me. Cool. Yeah, it ended up being 
so fun and so rewarding and, and kind of the feeling of, you know, finally got it right kind of a feeling. I think I've ended every other album with some kind of either a process-based frustration or a creative frustration that kind of fueled the next one. Mm-hmm. And with this one, but the process was super smooth and, and enjoyable. All the contributors were amazing. And I'm like happy enough with the result that I feel like, you know, justified by the process. I don't know if it's going to, how well it will do. I mean, I don't know how well any album does anymore, really. But reaching out to the people I reached out to, just finally having the, the courage to do that and having to pay off in that way was was really gratifying for sure. In the lyrics and just sort of the whole being of the record, there is this, as I think you've described, celebration of life. You you really feel it. It's uh, it's awesome, man. And I don't think like one person can do it alone. I think one person can do most of it or at least form something. But I think to like fully encompass that feeling, it's you need those people. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I've been kind of, you know, spinning my wheels with the record done. And I'm noticing that my, the thing I'm missing the most is the ability to just ask somebody to help me with a song or, you know, <laughs> yeah. or be around people on a daily basis making a record. And yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I should definitely get some more songs going just so I can be around people again, kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. It's such a, it can be such a magnet and can be so fulfilling. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. After the last sessions that I had in the studio, I, I mean, I think of it all the time. I, I, it was just like the most freeing experience of my life. Similar to what you're saying, it just felt like it was so smooth. It's kind of a cool experience to have other people in the studio when you actually hit a groove and you guys are really all feeling it at the end just to share in that experience. It's really something special. Yeah, for sure. Man, oh, I was, I was reading some book that had an excerpt from into the wild and it was like happiness means nothing if not shared or light experience means nothing if not shared you know and it's just oh i love that yeah totally it's just like that that exact thing it's we just got to make the find it how we can i guess in this zoom world Yeah. yeah totally Totally. Do you miss touring or is it a little bit of, are you happy to be home resting or do you wish you were in like an intense touring schedule right now? I'm glad to not be in an an intense touring schedule. I developed a lot of neck and singing issues on the last tour we did. And that was a very intense tour. It was very long. Yeah. I have some kind of, I have some physical stuff to work out before that could happen again. So I'm grateful to have time to, 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 make sure that before we commit to anything, it's going to be possible and healthy. Yeah. Um, if we just had to jump right into something. I'd be really in the weeds right now. So that's, I'm really grateful for that, but I do yeah. miss shows. I miss going to shows a lot. Me too. Like, just the Sunday mass feel of a good show or the, you know, the community binding aspects of it. I miss that so much. Yeah, me too, man. Especially, you know, we're both here in New York. That's like, Every night, there's something really cool. Yeah, happening. that's the best uh, part of living here. Absolutely, I know it feels really weird not being able to go see someone play or go hang out with a friend at a show, or just all the different aspects of that community feel. I miss going to shows more than I miss playing shows. I'd say. <laughs> I, I feel that. I think I, I think I agree with you, man. I gotta say this. This feels 
full circle for me because I, I actually have this really kind of interesting story. When, when I was growing up, I grew up in the Catskill Mountains in Phoenicia. Yeah. My dad in like high school moved to West Hurley, New York. Yeah. Right next to Dreamland. Oh, yeah. Studio. I ended up interning there and like being a fly on the wall for a lot of really cool sessions and learning how to record and just kind of, that was like my, my sacred place growing up. And you guys recorded Helplessness Blues there, or at least some of it. And at, there was a, a period where, I mean, I wasn't, it, I wasn't there for the sessions, but I would go over to my dad's house and then just, we'd all sit outside and listen to you guys record it from down the hill. Nice. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, it was literally right down the hill. It was like a little cabin right down at the bottom of that, wow. you know, that slope there. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's so it feels full circle. That was such a, that was kind of a wild session. I think that was like March 20, 20-aught, I guess 10, 2010, 10 yeah. years ago. Great. Yeah, that studio was, was amazing. Yeah. But I think it was a little premature. I feel like there were a bunch of sessions on that record that started before they should have. Just the songs weren't together or, you know, stuff ended up getting redone. Mm. That's one reason I've started taking, doing a lot more prep work than before recording starts. Just so that you're not putting the cart before the horse. But we got a lot of great stuff done there. But a lot of stuff also got redone. Did you also, for that, for that record, travel around a bit and do it at different studios? I think that was the main one. And then tried mixing it at Sear Sound in New York. And it also got redone. <laughs> <laughs> and then I love it. it in Seattle, kind of just in, crawling to the finish line a little right. bit. With Sure, traveling around to see all of the different studios, how did it shape the sound? Of the, did you, do you feel like everything that you did at each studio was just like brought in a whole new vibe into the record itself? Yeah, for sure. Uh, different different studios brought different things. The Vox studio in LA, their instrument collection was just so insane that it was impossible to not use all of that stuff as much as I could. And yeah, you know, just having access to weird things or weird sounds or interesting sounds. There are a few songs that are complex chord-wise or time signature-wise, but there's also a lot of stuff where it was really just down to making sure that the sounds were really interesting and the melodies were really strong and not totally. like, not like, oh, there are 200 chords in the song, but just kind of an interesting, simple thing. And so having access to a ton of different guitars, ton of different keyboards, you know, weird percussion things, that was all really serving the process, I think. And then Aaron Destner's spot where we started recording, that was just a great place to kind of break ground, a beautiful spot upstate and lucky to have that experience. And then Homer studio in Long Island City, finishing it there in July, August was just the perfect, you know, so small team, socially distanced, and just the energy of meeting new people and and being at work again. Every every studio definitely had it had an impact. I'm glad that that was an option for a lot of the process. And I don't really know that I would ever set up my own studio because I feel like being in different environments usually serves whatever album I'm working on. 
Yeah. I don't, I haven't transitioned into producing other people that much or mixing or, you know, the stuff where you do need a day-to-day space to just like a, a functioning workspace. Right. Totally. There's a bit of a kind of, you know, I'm still in this romantic phase of album making, but. I mostly caught my interest because of what, what each studio seemed to really bring to the record, whether it be the instruments at box. I was reading through some of the owners and some of the, the different stuff that was there. It's so sick. I would love to yeah. play on a lot of that stuff. And then like the, the community aspect of, of Long Island City and the traveling to France, it's just like each one brings a whole nother energy to the record. And you can hear it. You can totally yeah. hear it. It's sick. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, doing a fourth album of songs that are predominantly all written by me and all sung by me, you know, there's a bit of a seeking variety and, you know, either in the writing or in the how, how it, who else is contributing or in the process and mm-hmm. as much around that, there, there being as much kind of variety around that core of my voice, I guess, that is keeping it valuable over the years, you know, being this deep into it. I think one of my favorite parts of the record, by the way, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but a really beautiful moment, which is a very simple thing at the beginning on Sunblind, when you, when you give the nod to, to Berman and then you hear that snare hit afterwards, I, you know, the Josh who was meant to play with Purple Mountains and after you mentioned his name, it, it's almost like a nod to him. It's really personal. Every time I hear that, I feel it in my heart. I, that snare hit is yeah. really important to me. Totally. 100%. Yeah. I mean, like that song, just getting Josh on that song and also getting Homer on that song because Homer played with, uh, he did double drums with Richard Swift in the Arcs. So just having those like, you know, thematic resonances between the subject matter of the song and then the people who are performing it was like really powerful to me. And I'm really grateful to those guys for playing on it. That's something that only someone like you would maybe notice, but that that it's there for you to notice it is is gratifying for sure. Immediately when you first sent me the record, I that was the first takeaway. I was just like, ah, oh, yes, it's so beautiful. And also too, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that the first snare hit of the entire record? Yeah, totally. It's really cool. And yeah, again, like all of the different little little hidden gems throughout the record, I can I I know they're there, and it's it's really cool. It's funny working on records over a couple of years, three years, you know, whatever it is, and just those those little Easter eggs that develop or obsessing over something for so long that you start to see it a certain way and things mean certain things. Yeah. It's there's something about making albums that feels really special as opposed to just cranking out songs or like when the album is kind of I don't know. I'm trying to understand like what how do, what's your album to you? What is an album to you? <laughs> oh my god man what a question i think to me it's it's just a piece of work it's something that it's a body of work that sort of encompasses a period of my life or a period of my work in particular sort of a reflection of my technical ability and also my influences my interests and my emotions and then it's kind of there in history right you kind of record it down and have it as a body of work Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do need to get better at is is getting too emotionally attached to the record. Yeah, because I'm so hard on myself about needing to do better. 
just yeah. with everything, with music, with all aspects of music. So much like what you're saying about Sure, though, this is this is an experience where I, I don't feel that really. Cool. Um, it was just such a good experience. All I want to do is make another record. What is it? What is it to you? What is a record to you? Similar, I think similar to what you're saying. I guess you could say a snapshot of a period of your life, kind of un- unintentionally or intentionally. I mean, I feel like I'm always trying to make the best album possible. Sometimes I'm not even thinking about it as being reflecting my life, but then other times it feels like it's just a document of an experience and it's or a period of experience, like a two or three year period of, of living that the songs were written along the way along in that period as a way of processing those, you know, experiences and then making the album itself is this kind of adventure that you're, that you're on a little bit. So it's hard for me to imagine just cranking stuff out year after year after year that would be reflecting those same things. You know, I don't think I could make like two albums a year because just not enough would happen to be kind of contained. And, and it makes sense to me that it takes three years sometimes, even if you're not writing solidly for three years. Yeah. But I do yeah. feel like I want to be more productive, you know, and, and I don't know, just trying to figure out the way to do that, that that feels true to that way of seeing music as as being both reflective of your life and also kind of guiding your life but that doesn't feel arbitrary. I'm always amazed when someone, an artist will have like two records in a single year. I think everything is, it's different for everyone. So it's hard for me to say what's right or wrong. Yeah, for sure. I need time to to sit with it, to sit with my ideas. I need them to form, you know, for me, a song will go through so many different processes. There are different versions before it becomes what it is for an album. Yeah. So for me, I I really don't think that I could if I wanted to. I don't think I could just like whip up three records or something, you know, while touring or while. I just, it's not how I want to work. Yeah, for sure. I think it's cool to like set time to dedicate to creating something that's, you know, but what do I know? (laughs) What does anyone know? Ain't that the truth, man? It's the truth. Working with Sam was a really cool experience and that he helped me. He, I mean, I came in with so many demos that were just like, you know, some of them were absolutely insane sounding, <laughs> like crazy arrangements or just bizarro forms or just like the weirdest stuff. And he was the one who was just like, okay, let's choose like 10 of these and just play it on the acoustic guitar, just play guitar chords uh, and melody, and we'll start with just chords and melody rather than thinking about all these lush arrangements that I had in mind while demoing them. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's build it up from from the bottom up, which I had never done before. And then from there, we were able to experiment with different textures and different soundscapes throughout the record and just using different timbres to reflect different emotions without using too much vocal power or whatever. Totally. <clears throat> Yeah, Sam is great. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool experience working with him. I, I really look forward to doing it again. And it has, I mean, COVID has completely changed what it means to be in New York as a musician, I feel like. You yeah, that? absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how would you say? I mean, either a ton of people moving or just not having those community centers of, to be checking in with people 
it's yeah it's it's very strange sam is upstate just started this you know he's opening up a studio up there and a lot of the people who were through that hall at his space they're all upstate which i totally understand you know i'm from those mountains so i get it i i dream of being up there all the time i I went upstate recently probably a month ago a month or two ago and i saw from a distance i saw an old family friend and she she was like wow you must be so happy to be upstate you know the the energy must just i hear it's so weird in new york and it I, i thought about that for a while just about someone hearing about living in new york from afar and not coming here my conclusion is that whereas it is weird that we can't have these places to come to or check in with each other or or play music with each other i think i think the energy is still here in new york i really do feel it i think that there's this sense of we have each other's back, which I've always felt living here, but yeah, there is a sense of community, but it's just kind of like ripped apart and mm-hmm. from afar. Uh, I too marched in, in the protests yeah. back in June. And to me, that was like such an emotional and intense and unifying experience. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's no, uh, Baby's all right or whatever for the time being, but it's a protest to yeah. march in. Yeah. With that said, I dream of being in the mountains every day. So yeah. I maybe I'm just saying this because I, I'm trying to pump myself up. I don't know. When you sent me the record the first time, I was I was sort of interested in the fact that there were no vocals on some of them, or you, you said that you know they were rough. Mm-hmm. And then to hear the next version and hear fully realized, incredibly beautiful and articulate lyrics, yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is such a cool process that I was so intrigued by. And then to read later on about your drives around upstate, I thought that was super cool. Every record, there's, you know, so many spinning, so many balls in the air, for lack of a better term, or so many, I mean, mixed mes- metaphors can I throughout there's some kind of like loose threads or yeah yeah it's like this cloud of potential and then it just over it you know it begins to form and then there's this period at the very end where it all locks together it needs to stay nebulous and open for a long time and and then it really comes into focus in the last couple of months it's always interesting to me participating in that and making that happen I keep coming back because like, what is an album? Like, why does it work this way? How does, you know, how, how do these, mm-hmm. what are the subconscious processes guiding these things? And, and it's always, maybe there's two weeks between the roughs I sent you that didn't have vocals. And then the one, and then in that two weeks, it's, it all comes together and it all gets finished in this fever period, you know? Yeah. Totally. I, think I, I get addicted to working that way a little bit, the kind of, adventure of it or the the sprints and the, you know it's it's fun just listening to both versions of the record and and just being inspired by it it absolutely has made me think about how, how i want to make my next record so i thank you for that yeah it's been super helpful it's just you know i'm on my this is my second record ever so it's really it's cool to get to see the experience from your eyes and and talk to you about it and 
it's super helpful for me, man. Awesome. That, that means a lot. Thank you, dude. Yeah, I mean it. <laughs> and that's it. Robin Pecknold and Elijah Wolf in conversation for the TalkHouse podcast. Thanks to both of them so much for participating. Thanks to Kevin O'Connell for producing this week's episode. And as always, the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next week. Thank you.